Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. You might remember me, I'm Jay Anelli. Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm the real host of the show, Lorelai Wessel Brizzy. <gasps> Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm the one who actually makes the show happen. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cristalano. All those things are fair. This is a very catty cold open, but all those things are perfectly fair. You, you put three Italian Americans in, in one place, how could it not get catty? <laughs> So welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about the flavor gems of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Uh, so before we get into that, though, this week we had a first look or last week, if you're listening to it, the week this airs, uh, we got the a first look at the murders at Karlov Manor story. And we got uh, the first episode, in addition to some cards and previews and basic explanation of what's going on with the set, and a really interesting clue variant that I'm very curious about, and we'll probably play at MagicCon Chicago. Uh, but yeah, you should go check it out. It's the first story. It was written by Shannon McGuire, uh, and it is fun. And Shannon has confirmed that it's going to be 10 total episodes. We've got nine more to look forward to as this uh, murder mystery unfolds. I do want to let listeners know that the news that it was a 10 episode story broke on our discord. It was the first place I saw it mentioned because Sean was on our discord and told everyone it was a 10 episode story and then immediately posted about it on Twitter and also Roy posted about it on Twitter. Yeah, huh? And so it, it wasn't like long <laughs> exclusive to our discord, but it was there technically first. So a reason to join our discord. Sometimes you learn stuff. Also, the magic cookbook is out. This is going to be a great holiday gift for Magic fans. Uh, it is called Magic the Gathering Cuisines of the Multiverse. Uh, it is by a uh, written in part by Jenna Helland, who wrote uh, story blurbs for every recipe. So there is effectively, gosh, it's like somewhere between 10 to 20,000 words worth of some story and lore in there. Uh, definitely worth picking up. A lot of the stories are more whimsical than anything else, so don't expect much deep lore. Uh, but I can tell you, you know, there are recipes from, say, the Underworld Cookbook in there. Uh, you can make some gray gargoyle wings, if I can remember correctly. Um, and there's all sorts of other cool stuff in there that I'm, I'm really excited to dig so, into it. There are quite a few I'm, on, I'm excited to make. On, hold on. It's not literal recipes from the Underworld Cookbook, because gray gargoyle gargoyles right. literally rocks. Like, I want to be clear about uh, Asmarana, Marduk, and Dyson, and Kuldakar's story, is is that she really did just serve a demon rocks. This cookbook That's is fair. not rocks. If you want to eat rocks, this cookbook will not help. It is inspired. Some of the recipes are inspired <laughs> by the Underworld cookbook. There's also a Hamarid bisque. Uh, Fuck and, you. Uh, lots of other cool stuff. <laughs> that was I specifically put that one in there just just for you, Lorelai. Really? For you. I didn't put it in That's there. Cruel. I suggested it. That's really cruel. If you listen closely, it's you quite can delicious. Hear, you can hear the screaming goblins behind Jay clamoring for more food from the, uh, the cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a floor that's my two-year-old she's like a floor below us and my door is closed well yeah she wants two. some delicious gargoyle well, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. she's two she is two she turned two last month jesus yeah. christ and my other one turned eight turns by the time you're listening to this at home my other one turned eight so yeah but you just yep. had that baby i'm sorry I, your I, wife I, just had that baby we did yeah sure did sure did 
already a little person with feelings and 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 speech and everything yeah it's 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 a lot that's messed up <laughs> i know i hate it i hate the passage of time uh so anyway check out the cookbook we are going to talk about it next week as we dive into it um and i am going to make some of them with my wife there is a, a particular recipe for uh paneer uh which is you know indian an indian word for cheese but also specifically an indian cheese uh and there are paneer burritos in there uh, that are inspired by Huatli and Sahili. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to, to, to make those. It's kind of gay. That's like, really, really, that's an appropriation of, of lesbian culture. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We need to actually start the episode because we could just keep doing this all day. Yeah, we, we need could. To, would so you, I, listeners, would you listen to an entire episode of us just bullshitting for an hour? We did that already. We've we done that, that once. Yeah, we've done that a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's like true. we have to, we have, we have to move on from the cookbook though. I have not eaten dinner, and you said burritos, <laughs> and now I'm hungry. So let's talk about ghosts. I apologize. Instead. All right, let's talk about the flavor gems of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. New then. lore. Uh, so we're going to start with, so Lost Caverns of Ixalan has so much world building for it. It is effectively a new plane. Part of that is because it was going to be a new plane, uh, but we had added many other factions and m many other things uh, to the world. And honestly, it's one, probably one of the most widely built world, you know, like horizontally, uh, there is a lot on Ixalan now. Uh, after this setting uh, and one of them are a new kind of ghost uh, called an echo uh, so abuelo's awakening uh, is one of the first cards in the set to show this but they're all over it so these spirits are like bound to an object so you can see whenever they're moving around there's something either part of their clothing or something they're holding uh, or like a hairpin whatever uh, that is corporeal uh, and it is what the spirit is bound to. And usually, I believe it's also like uh, Cosmium is involved in whatever like the item is. I, I don't think that's required, but you'll often see that because it's just common with the, the people in the caverns. Yeah, I'm unsure of Cosmium specifically, um, but because uh, Abuelo was uh, summoned from a poncho. That's true. You're right. They don't make ponchos out of rocks. They only make food out of rocks. Maybe maybe Jay can help me clear this up, but like the echoes are a thing. There's a lot of them. They're all connected to items. It seems like that was like a thing that the people in the core were aware of being able to do because they mm -hmm. summon up an army of them. Yep. But like the first one we meet is summoned up by Quintorius. Does he does he just tap into that that's already there? Or like how does how does that square? I think I think the magic is just very overlapping because Lorehold has ghost okay. summoning magic. Yeah. So not not only is the the Lorehold summoning of of spirits um like adjacent to this, but the Lorehold magic very specifically summons spirits into statues. Um. Mm -hmm. So it is very much about connecting a ghost to a physical object, usually representing um a, a person or object related to that ghost. Um, so, uh, the fact that the magic is probably very similar is why that was able to happen. Okay. I just was confused when I read the story because I thought, like, he had summoned one 
and then like suddenly they're all everywhere but it seems like they already were there and he just brought it out it's right. clicking as, as a side note uh miguel lopez who is the creative lead for the set uh he published a twenty thousand word planeswalker guide on all the new lore sure so did. we're gonna be like barely scratching the surface here if you want to learn all that juicy lore go check it out planeswalker's guide to lost caverns of ixalan it is essentially the entire world guide published for all of you it's amazing uh it's pretty on par with the old art books right god i did just call them the old art books that's messed up um, they're like 10 years old now yeah. so yeah like <laughs> it's been like eight years since we got those no the last one was war of the spark yeah. oh that's true but that was after like a two-year gap that was also like five years ago it's like three okay maybe maybe it's just Four? five maybe it's five it might just be five anyway family reunion so family reunion shows the sun empire and the old tech uh meeting up again and the old tech are are one of the big new cultures we meet in the lost caverns of ixalan uh they inhabit the core which is uh which is a dyson sphere like you know inner sphere of a world surrounding an inner sun that is uh kimo the uh the 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 i forget what the 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 title for uh is it kimo no chimo i'm sorry uh for chimil the um the sun in the center that is like the uh elder god of the plane that created all the other gods that we will encounter later uh the old tech have a lot of similarities with the sun empire because uh they split off from each other you know centuries ago uh, where the Sun Empire came to went through the caverns to the surface, uh, and then they got cut off because of another culture we'll talk about in a minute, uh, and developed separately after that. Uh, the Oltec are very interesting because they were a chance to um, cut the dinosaur stuff out of the you know Aztec-ish civilization, and just focus on cultural inspirations. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we also get our first angels of the set in Guardian of the Great Door. Uh, we learn from the Planeswalker Guide that they were created when, uh, during this war, long, long time ago, uh, and uh, Chimul was uh, wounded, and like the cosmium that fell to a bunch of the warriors there, like created these angels who who then guard the inner core from uh, invasions. Which would make them very distinct from other angels of the multiverse, uh, which is probably why they weren't super involved in uh, all the stuff happening with March of the Machine. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so what I'll say is from a real world perspective, uh, there's probably an inkling that these people were going to happen. Uh, but, you know, the core was not affected by the Phyrexian invasion. The Phyrexians invaded uh, from like the surface of Ixalan. Uh, so it was, you know, they, they, they didn't have a reason to be involved. They probably didn't even know anything was happening. Uh, we also encounter the Malamet. Uh, we see it in Malamet Warscribe and a bunch of other uh, cards. This is uh, the civilization that rules the caverns or, or many of the caverns uh, between the surface world and the core. Uh, they are a new breed of Leonin, essentially, uh, they are sort of jaguar folk warriors uh, who use this really cool glyph magic 
um sort of similar to glyph magic the old tech also used but there's their glyph magic is focused more on like shapes reminiscent of jaguar spots which is a really cool detail uh they literally rule over top of deep goblins who are these new goblins that we've learned about in this set uh some of them have an isca like a uh um what do you call that 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 fish lorelei i know you know what this. just anglerfish then anglerfish thank I you i mean lots of different genuses have lures um but anglerfish in general are the most common ones and most well known ones so some of the deep goblins have this angler uh not all of them uh they are they are divergent goblin species so they are not related to the surface goblins really but they're not divergent there's another word for what they are because isn't it convergent a, no it's like so so what is uh, yeah the word? so you, Do you know this you, you have a note here that said what's the word for when two species evolve separately but into similar things that's called convergent evolution uh it makes no sense here uh because there is there is really nothing convergent about these two goblin species they are just two different goblin species uh yeah. that are unrelated like they're both goblin like there there is no evolutionary relationship that makes sense it, it makes no sense that they're both goblins other than because magic um yeah. they are adapted for entirely different environments have entirely different anatomical structures uh and and habits and and stuff and uh don't think about them evolutionary chris that's a dangerous road <laughs> yeah i was just thinking of them as like they're they're only goblins because of the magic system of naming creature types in the same yeah. way that a malamet is a cat and also the cats <laughs> on amonkhet are cats yeah um, and that they share some similar features in which they are classified as goblins even though they are not goblins they're not the same thing but i i like that i think it's fun to do that to have Two different things on the plane that are both classified as goblins, even though they're not at all similar to each other. Yeah, other no, I can't. An inherent goblinness, an ur goblin feature. I can't wait till we return to Alara and have a card uh, that's a Leonin riding a Leotal. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> one one day we'll get it. Uh, so these goblins also live in a uh, stalagmite city that is uh below a stalactite city that is the malamet uh, have so when i say they like lord over them it's literally true they mm -hmm. live in the city on the ceiling the deep goblins live in the city on the floor uh not all the deep goblins are um serve the malamet but it is like one of the most uh according to the planeswalkers guide it's one of the most like it's one of the better professions if you want to like do something for a living as a deep goblin. Uh, and the big threat in these caverns, the reason the old tech and the sun empire sealed up the uh, entrances to the surface and the core behind them is the mycoids or did you write this one, Chris? Do you want to, do you want to oh, give this title? Oh, I, I said there's a fungus among us because they're, they're funguses. Fungi. fungi yeah like the pokemon that's the reference you're making right uh actually i was thinking about the pokemon when i wrote that in the notes but also uh they they do live in vents and in, in the rocks you know so the the mycoids are like a hive mind spe fungal species uh that spread and gain additional intelligence by uh, essentially colonizing the the bodies of other living things 
and growing larger and larger and larger until they're big enough to set out and claim the next cavern over. Um, <clears throat> they are a pretty big existential threat for Ixalan going forward. Uh, they were just barely stopped from escaping into the core uh, last time, and it's implied they probably escaped to the surface uh, this time around. So, you know, I'm sure that's going to go smashingly. Uh, they're led by the Mycotyrant, who has a card in this set, uh, but that's more really just the Gestalt, or is it Gestalt or Gestalt consciousness uh, that 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 rules them? Don't ask me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you've made your pronunciation decision, and you have to live with it. All right, I'll, li I'll live with it. I'm going to go with Gestalt. Gesundheit. Um, so the the Merfolk of the Plain, the River Heralds, have also uh, set out on a pilgrimage into the caverns. Uh, the Deep Root Tree was destroyed during the Phyrexian invasion, uh, and they found pathways underneath uh, to lead them into the, the, the core, or into the caverns at least. Uh, and whatever they're doing, they're rediscovering lost roots there lost caverns even lost caverns and their roots there uh but there's not a lot of it in the card set or the story this time around so we're not going to get too much into it they're doing stuff we don't know what but they're doing it they sure are <laughs> and then a lot of the a lot of the surface cultures are up to different things so like the pirates are trying to form their own nation uh they are trying to form their own cities mining cosmium uh and, and growing wealthy that way rather than just straight piracy although they still do some of that uh meanwhile both the sun empire and the dusk legion face uh internal schisms um the sun empire is now ruled by a boy emperor who's i guess his older brother and sister technically although neither of them could inherit uh are trying to gain influence over him to rule through uh, him. their aunt and uncle i believe yeah. aunt and uncle thank you we we covered this on the like story episodes so oh if yeah you wanna, if you want to learn more about it you can but there's um there is a card attached to this uh which is the second time that the word schism has ever been used in a magic card if anyone can name the first time the word schism was used in a magic card i would be shocked because i did not know this card existed but I'm gonna look it up right now. In, in the set is a card called Preacher of the Schism, which is uh, <laughs> a a card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Preacher of the Schism is a vampire. It's sort of telling the story of the the fact that there's uh, there's two popes in Alta Torazon, which is a problem. The Pontifex and the Antifex. Yeah, yep. uh, causing some religious issues. You know, you get to pick which pope you like more. Um, and uh, we we talked a lot about that in our story episodes. Um, Preacher of the Schism is a really cool card, though. Uh, but also two popes. That's never happened in real life. Weren't there three popes at one time? I don't know. I don't know. I'm Catholic. I can't even keep track. There were there were a lot. Yeah, there were a lot the, of popes. Uh, I, I want to do the um, the Pacific Rim. You know, <laughs> however long until a double event speech, but about new popes. <laughs> once you got one pope two popes are inevitable all right uh so let's move on to some of the genre tropes because this one dived deep into i mean well, most, a lot of indiana jones tropes yeah but also just in general pulp adventure tropes yeah from... indiana jones tropes <laughs> yeah exactly because indiana jones is kind of like star wars was the quintessential 
you know uh space opera pulp sci-fi space opera indiana jones is kind of the quintessential you know most people know indiana jones but they don't know it was based on a whole lot of things from the past i feel like i just need people to understand that the the galactic empire is the united states of america it's true it is like 100 percent. it's text it is confirmed by george lucas like we're the baddies we're the fascists about the vietnam war yeah anyway quicksand whirlpool it's quicksand classic adventure thing (laughs) Um, it I doesn't love, work like that in real life, but in every piece of media it pops up in, it works the same yeah, way. In it, it's the you step in sand and get sucked down and suffocate and die, uh, or in the case of the story, uh, fall into a uh, a river because that's the thing. Uh, Spring loaded saw blades and blade wheel chariot. Uh, my brain is just sitting here like a penitent man will pass because this is specific in the <laughs> uh, last mm-hmm. crusade for those following yep. along at home. A whole lot of these are straight out of Last Crusade. Yeah, Unstable Glyph Bridge is also Last Crusade. Uh, Runaway Boulder is Raiders. Um, Confounding Riddle, Orozco Puzzle Door, Twists and Turns, Mycoid Maze is like, you know, Riddle things, mazes, finding your way through. Like, that's like one of the more broader things here. Uh, Eaten by Piranhas makes me mad because it's a really a, a racist trope. Um, about the savagery of the Amazon. Piranhas really don't care about you when you go in the water. They're not really that dangerous, unless they're in a feeding frenzy, which generally requires some blood already to be in the water, likely from a dying animal, which you generally are not. (sighs) You're usually safe around piranhas, but I do want to stress that if you are... uh, cut up a whole bunch and you look like a bunch of lunch meat then you might have a problem um the problem to is be not fair your problem started before the piranha <laughs> yeah the problem the problem is that you're probably gonna die anyways yeah uh out of air is the classic i'm in, in a small enclosed space and it's filling with water and there's only a little bit of air at the top and i gotta find a way out classic adventure predicament um <laughs> fanatical offering i like the note here veto sucks and not in the fun way um <laughs> or in the fun way depending how you feel about vampires um he he's doing the ritual sacrifice here the hey you have to sacrifice someone to open up a door with blood uh this is a not uncommon villain adventure trope um which one is over the edge yeah over the edge uh is the card that's like depicting when you drop something oh like yeah no treasure we're, yeah like, we're back to most- last crusade the most frustrating thing that happens in any sort of these movies is like they finally have the MacGuffin and someone drops it into a cavern and then they have to no, like it happens it. Yeah. it happens so often. I'm thinking, um oh god, the 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 mummy two. There are just so many chasms in these stories. God, the you mummy know, like helping hand what helping a- hand also has this pop up. Uh, you know, like someone conveniently falls over the edge of a chasm but just catches onto the ledge. Yeah. Uh, and needs to be helped back up. Like, good trumps. The, 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 it's it, it's good stuff. Uh, fanatical offering, though, I I, I love because it's a twist on the uh, sort of racist slander that a lot of the uh, early colonizing conquistadors spread. Mm-hmm. That the they had to they had to save and civilize the indigenous peoples because yeah. they were barbarians sacrificing people. Um, 
you know, meanwhile, back home, they're pe- burning people at the stake for being witches, but it's totally different, totally different. Um, it's bad when, you know, brown people do it. Well, yeah, I, I was, uh, was, I don't remember what server it was in, but someone was talking about, like, scholarship into, um, like, specifically Aztec ritual sacrifice and, like, tabulations that the total number of people sacrificed in a whatever the spectrum of time was uh in aztec rituals was about the same as people who are executed for crimes in europe so it's just like it, it it's it's just the one is good because the europeans are doing it and one is bad because the not europeans are doing it um yeah. and uh this story takes the big swing at, at prisons also which i really enjoyed um, if you uh, if you read the story and you felt as gross as I did when you read the sacrifice from Amalia's point of view, uh, think about the fact that the death penalty is still practiced in a lot of states in the United States. <laughs> it sure is. It sure um, is. The, the The prison thing was all Valerie. I should mention too. That mm-hmm. was just a, a cool uh-huh. idea. Like the 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 old tech don't believe in in, in traditional prison uh, is is something she added, which was That's a, a neat <laughs> idea. <laughs> Don't worry, I got the sense of that from our interview, which you weren't here for. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a good Shady. interview. You should listen to it. You should listen to your podcast, Jay. Um, Buried treasure. probably. Hey, <laughs> we have pirates. This is a treasure hunt. It's an adventure story. There's just buried treasure. I'm surprised we didn't get a card called buried treasure the last time we were here. No, but we did get treasure map the last time we were here. Uh, which is back. Also- which is another one that leads you to a treasure cove. Yeah. yeah um we have the millennium that's my that's my favorite trope because treasure i'm sorry treasure map uh just if you just think about it think for like five seconds uh, on as to like why on earth would a pirate who's trying to hide their treasure make a map back to it like i just don't i don't it, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense like x doesn't mark the spot that's also also a last crusade thing (laughs) <laughs> everyone yeah, I, go I, watch last crusade it's just a fun trope it's just a fun trope it's also the least it has the least brown face of most indiana jones movies of, well, or at least of the original three let's not talk it about al- temple of doom at all yeah um, let's not it, talk about it, that it almost got it almost got there but a couple of the soldiers at the end uh were so uh, unfortunately i do want to talk anyway. about buried treasure the card because it is a really go cool card uh i love the fact that it is a treasure so I love when they take the like token subtypes and put them on actual cards. And we've had this Mm -hmm. several times with like clues and treasures and food. Um, But I do love the fact that you can just sacrifice it like a treasure for a mana. Or if you save up and you really dig for it, you can uh, then exile it from your graveyard for five mana and get a free spell. Nice. That is good good flavor. Yeah, that is real good. flavor. You have to dig for it in your graveyard it's it's fun it's a good design honestly it's good design. honestly we don't have i'm glad you brought that up because we didn't bring up a lot of like the mechanical how how f- the flavorful the card is works but a lot of these a lot of these cards especially the trope ones we're talking about now mm-hmm. work really well in that space uh there's also the millennium calendar which i love uh because it's sort of a, a a dig at the idea that the the mayans had predicted the world was going to end in 2012 like in that movie, 2012. <laughs> God, that movie was <laughs> like so that bad. People had a bunch of 
fever. The people had a bunch of hysteria over that uh, a few years ago. Yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, Grim Captain. I love the Grim Captain. It is Ixalan's Davy Jones. There's the Grim's Captain's Locker, the Grim Captain's Throne, and the Grim Captain himself appears in the set. Uh, it is great. Yeah, I like the Grim Captain's Locker. I like the fact that it's just Davy Jones's locker, except the Grim Captain. Um, just like making that direct, direct line there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it uh, what it does is it it. So this is one of the commander cards, which means they're allowed to do a little bit weirder stuff. Um, and this one gets to use the escape mechanic, which I think is really appropriate because the idea of Davy Jones's locker from popular culture is that like when you die at sea, you become part of this undead crew that is part of Davy Jones's phantom boat. Right. Um, it's the flying lots of different. Yes. I saw the Pirates of the yeah, Caribbean movie. The Pirates it's of true. the Caribbean movie, the SpongeBob. There's like a lot of different ways this is shown in pop but culture. I, I, <laughs> I like. Um, I, I do want to clarify. It is actually Will Turner's locker now. God, that's, that's fair. That's um, fair. I watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They're not that bad, actually. They're pretty fun. Um, but this card lets you surveil one. You tap it to surveil, which is you know you look at the top of your card, of your library. You can put it in your graveyard, and then. You can tap it to make it so that each card creature card in your graveyard has escape four, uh, which is just fun. It's like you get to put them all in your little locker and then let them all out when you need a crew. Yeah, Aww. that's great. Good mechanics here. I appreciated uh, Francisco Foul uh -huh. Marauder. First of all, the <sighs> greatest pun. I love it so much. Uh, but also because Ixalan didn't really have the parrot trope, the pirate parrot trope mm -hmm. going until now uh so that perfect flavor i love it the the mechanical thing uh so the, this is the only card in the this commander product that has a partner um because it's a parrot it's a pirate parrot which means you put it with another partner so it can just sit on another person's shoulder it's really <laughs> cute it's great it's so good uh i also appreciate having another pirate uh partner because now you can have a black red or blue black uh, pirate partner deck. Yeah. And then one of my favorite cards in the set, and I was super excited when I saw this one because I have a friend who has a skeleton themed commander deck, um, which is very bad. There's not not a lot of good skeletons out there. Uh, but this one is Skeleton Crew, which is actually like a really good card. Uh, skeleton Crew, if you're unfamiliar with the idiom, uh, is the term for like how few people you can have working somewhere for the place to still function. Um, There's a whole Star Wars show coming out with that name. Yeah. So like the idea is like the skeleton crew is, you know, the bare bones crew <laughs> of a ship. Um, <laughs> and in this case, it's a bunch of skeletons. I think the most fun part about this is that they translated the card in German, but instead of translating it as like a direct translation of skeleton crew, they translated the idiom so the name in German translates to minimal staffing. <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce it because I don't know how to pronounce German, but I just thought that was funny. I don't either, but it's fun to pronounce. Try and pronounce. Yeah. Okay, right, so let's on. move on to Skeleton. stuff with roots and actual magic. Oh, lore. hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, good. Um, Scryfall doesn't have the languages. No, it doesn't have the German translation on Scryfall. I had to Google it, which brought me to Reddit. Yeah, well. So. I am not going to Reddit. 
Yep. Uh, magic lore. Not a good important, place. <laughs> important, important. Now we get to talk about the Yuri. Poetic ingenuity. Hold, hold on. Do you, want, do you want me to try and uh, do the uh, German pronunciation? No, I'm Jay, talking you about You can't lesbians. even pronounce words in English. Listen, I want you to know I'm a descendant of a German baron, so this is not offensive. Oh. It's minimal Beschatzung. This is amazing. German is a beautiful language. I, I, this, is, this, is, this is wonderful. I want to apologize to our German supporters. Minimal Besatzung. Our mini no, Germans. The, the German, who the German, to our the show. German Vorthos cast people are great. Uh, they, one of them even helped me deal with a German speeding ticket. So that was very nice because I am the only international criminal of the podcast, I guess. You're the only one who got caught. <laughs> yeah that's fair entirely fair yeah anyway All right. poetic talk ingenuity lesbians. let's talk about lesbians uh a thing that i wanted from this set before anything was previewed before we really knew much uh that i didn't think we would get was a card that had well in sahili on it in the same art uh and we got it uh poetic ingenuity uh has uh so when one or more dinosaurs you control tax create that many treasure tokens um because when 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 Hotley's dinosaurs attack, Sahili gets inspired to create things. Uh, and whenever you cast an artifact spell, you create a three one red dinosaur creature token. Uh, this triggers only once each turn because when Sahili makes a thing, Hotley gets inspired to write a poem about dinosaurs and make a dinosaur uh, with a flavor text. You inspire me, and so they. It's gay. It's gay. Um. We also do get to see um, some of uh, Sahili's filigree magic, which we normally wouldn't see outside of Kaladash or in a set where we had, um, we saw it like a little bit in uh, Brothers War. Um, I guess the filigree Silex wasn't a card until one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because we had Urza Silex in Brothers War. Correct. We had lots of Silexes. Well, Ashdod made a lot of them too, so. Uh, <laughs> so we have Sahili's Lattice and uh, Mastercraft Raptor, which are uh, more examples of um, Sahili's filigree magic in this new world. Uh, we also have Tarion's Journal and uh, the Tomb of Aklazats, as well as uh, Tarion's Soul Cleaver. Uh, this was. So Tarion was pulled. Uh, I, I, I don't, I think the initial drafts was not Tarion, uh, but we needed some sort of like, uh, apostle like figure for Alenda. Uh, and I remembered that there was a story that well, there was a random flavor text in the original Ixalan that talks that has a Dusk Legion person going, this spear was wielded by venerable Tarion himself and zero other information. Uh, and that's how Tarion got spun into being the, like, Dark Apostle-like figure that he becomes, uh, in, in the current story. And he's the one who wrote, essentially, the, uh, uh, his journal is, like, the Apocrypha of the Dusk Legion, uh, that talks about Aklazots and all the, all the things Alenda would not have the Dusk Legion focus on. The, uh, the card is Legion's Judgment with the flavor text. My lance was once wielded by venerable Tarion. In his name and by his might, I cast you down. Uh, that is uh, from the original Ixalan set. So, good deep cut. We also got a fan favorite ship, the Belligerent, uh, which is Vraska's pirate ship, where Vraska, Jace, uh, Malcolm, Breaches, uh, the other Amalia... <laughs> 
who is the <laughs> Isn't orc it Amelia? The, it's like it's like Amelia or something. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very close. Uh that's why I kept whenever I saw Amalia, I'm like, you know, there's like Vraska's crew member named Amelia. We have right? two characters named Baron in Magic. It's fine. We have like three people whose name sounds like you know we have, we have Gerard, Jared, and Gerard. Gerard, thank you. Mm-hmm. So you know it's 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 not the worst thing that could happen. I will say the belligerent, the card, has a small problem, and the problem is that you cannot play it in any Vraska J decks because it's blue and red. But you can play it in a Malcolm Breaches deck. So, which one really is the most important ship on Ixalan? <laughs> Malcolm and Breaches. I, I didn't want to say anything when we were talking about um, uh, Francisco enabling a blue, black, or black, red pirate commander deck, uh, partner commander deck, because, like, why? My, you can't split up the boyfriends. That's, just, that's homophobic. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We also got a very little cutie pie named uh, Eatskeenth, uh, the firstborn of Gishath. And uh, yeah, so this is interesting because Gishath is like a avatar of the threefold sun, who is a representative of Kimil. Uh, and it's it's just it's very entertaining. It's, you get like the son of a son of a god here. And it's not an avatar or anything. It's just a little cutie pie. I I just I kind of love it because it's it brings in all the weirdness around religion in magic, where like you can have an avatar of the threefold sun, even though the threefold sun itself isn't quite real, but it was inspired by a very real god, and like it's just gets into all sorts of really fun metaphysical weirdness. If you believe in something hard enough, it becomes real. That's how magic works. That's it, like the it, only it is way it literally works. it is literally how it works. Uh, so, yeah. So we also got something very interesting, which was our hints at the Fomori. So I'm going to be honest. I did not expect it to show up in flavor text this soon. Me? What? So I, I knew we were getting the first hint in the story. And then someone, uh, everyone in our server was like, oh, who could the coin empire be? Uh, and then a card got previewed and everyone's like, oh, it's the Fumori. And I'm just like, <laughs> they just said it there? Yeah, so Master's yeah, Guide right. Mural and Master's Manufactory uh, imply all that. And then the uh, the um, the Planeswalker's Guide, I actually I actually told Miguel, I'm like, uh, the, the card set outright names it. So let's make sure we make it clear here, too, because the, the <laughs> World Guide was kind of vague about yeah. who they were. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later because we have a few Fomori cards, but not a lot of information on who they are. And the idea that they might have had interplanar travel capabilities and the ability to like cage a sun god is um, quite interesting to explore in the future. They clearly don't have that anymore based on the ones we've seen, but you know, you never know what the history there is. Then we have a few characters who appeared before. We have uh, Inti, the Seneschal of the Sun. Uh, we have uh, Pantlaza, who is uh, Watley's uh, raptor mount. And we have uh, Waita, who is... Uh, she was a young girl in the original Ixalan. She was actually a fan of Watley's, uh, who appeared to her. And then, <laughs> to, to be know, fair, she's dark still, stuff happened. She's still, like, only 19. 
Yeah. Yeah. She's not she's not she's not old now, but you know, she is definitely world weary at this point. I think she 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 was like fifteen or sixteen in the original. And speaking of babies, the one thing I wanted from this set was uh something Zakama related. And Scion of Calamity is like it's a little baby Zakama. It's like a god it's like the Godzilla Jr. of it's it's the Manila uh, or uh, it's, the Godzuki. It's, it's non-legendary, which makes it more like the baby Godzillas from the TriStar film from 98. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, every everyone go see Godzilla Minus One. They just put it in a bunch more theaters. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, it, it is. is so good. Well, I'll talk about it on my last thoughts. <laughs> uh, so cultural references. Um, braided Net and Braided Kipu is just a reference to uh, traditional Aztec clothing. Uh, basking capybara is referencing the jiden adorable friendly lovely rodents uh that are native to a lot of central america and some of south america they're they're not they're not giant they're the largest rodents of the world but they're normally that size and they're yeah. they're also oh, that's very fair. cute there is one in the set that is a giant though i do i do need to interrupt you kipu are not aztec they're incan uh, oh, I apologize. And, yeah, okay. Uh, they are actually very interesting uh, cultural artifacts. They're used for like recording history. Um, they can be worn, which is really neat. But also, like, they are like an actual like way to record things. So that's um, that's cool. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to bring this up actually. So there is a great video uh, from MTG Con Tio Pablo uh, that is. Uh, him and uh jessica and i'm sorry jessica i don't know how to pronounce your last name here uh who both go and talk about a lot of the uh they do it like a deep dive on the lost caverns of ixalan there's a spanish version i think there's also an english version uh but you should definitely check that out if you want a deep dive from people who are actually experts you know in the culture uh and with that let's talk about cody scavenger which is oh, like kawadi kawadi uh, yeah uh kawadi are related to uh raccoons um they you know if you look at them they look kind of similar uh and they function pretty similarly uh they get in trash a lot they're they're not <laughs> great <laughs> they're really cute though um we have uh i don't i don't know what the visage of dread dread osiosaur is reference uh, is. visage of the 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 visage of dread is a uh crystal skull uh oh. so again indiana jones is it and uh visage of dread so the crystal skulls are funny because oh, they it were, is a lot of them are i think they're fake they like are. most of them are fake yeah. yeah yeah uh but it was just like it captured the imagination enough to inspire an entire indiana jones movie about, about aliens it. So i just thought it was cute that there was communists. one in here yeah oh god aliens i don't want to think about that movie shout out it was better than temple of doom uh shout out to whoever on the text team uh came up with the word osseosaur that rules that is that is a really cool name it's a it's a bone lizard we talked a lot about uh catholicism earlier in catholics uh, this is very yeah, catholic yep the dusk rose reliquary it's a reliquary uh turns out uh speaking of uh somewhat dreadful cultural practices uh of colonizers uh also catholicism used to just take pieces of people's dead bodies and put them in yep. little fancy containers and call them, you know, religious artifacts. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what uh, reliquaries are. They're little pieces of people's dead bodies. 
you get the knuckle the knuckle bones of saint whoever yeah it's it's and he had you know 50 knuckle bones somehow they're they're almost never ever going to actually be related to the person they say they are and uh it's it's a thing it's a thing (laughs) they're like funko pops for people who hate themselves what we're we're all descendant of catholics we can make these jokes yeah yeah I, I, I don't you i'm sorry anyone can punch up at catholics that's true but we are especially allowed to uh hold on i'm i'm pulling up the the dog breed uh that's in here so we also have a a, a dog breed specific to latin america in mischievous pup uh it is the uh, they're known as mexican hairless dogs in english but um, I don't have. I need a pronunciation guide because of my my not all uh, pronunciation. But Sholo, uh, it's Quintly, I think is. Uh, I know they're colloquially known as Sholos, um, but they are they are a uh, domesticated breed from uh, Latin America. Sholo eats Quintly. Yep. Uh, we also have contested game ball, which is a reference to uh, a well known. Uh, Aztec ball sport that I'm not sure there's an official name for. I uh, uh, I can only <laughs> ever find Aztec ball sport re- referencing it, it, it. It's funny that you say well known because my understanding is that we know very little about the actual rules of the sport. We've, that we've all seen the hoops. I think yeah. is the like if you know anything about the Aztec, like you know about the ball game hoops. It, it um, is it is a cultural thing uh popularized enough that it was in the rotel dorado yes <laughs> should we skip the gods and just do the last category here and yeah. call it so the one okay. thing i want to say about the gods before we skip them is that we got a fun little like four cycle and then a fifth one that sticks out because aklazots took one of their place and then we got the ancient one which is a spirit god that was the god that, that was Aklazots very cute got rid of yeah it's a fun yeah. way to tell the story in cards. Oh wait, 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 hold on, yeah. hold on. You you say that like the god that Aklazots got rid of, like he went shoo shoo away. Aklazots <laughs> freaking murdered another god and took its place in yeah, you got the rid of fifth it. people's pantheon. at the creation of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the creation of the fourth people. Then finally, we have no adventure uh, setting would be complete through cav- spelunking through caverns without some Minecraft references. So of course we have diamond pickaxe. We have Mineshaft Spider, uh, and then although um, they are not exclusive to Minecraft, the Ashalot, uh, or Axolotl as they're usually called in English, because that's uh, how it's spelled, um, in Frilled Cave Worm, and uh, what is the name of this other one? Sholotoyak. Sholotoyak are uh, both... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing i love these cards and we probably would not have gotten them if it weren't for something like minecraft populate uh popularizing these little sal- salamander things i guess well no they're just salamanders uh okay. you put them down here in minecraft but like axolotls are just also indigenous animals of this region that i mean that is true maintained uh their their names in other languages so and I hate to say it, but if you think Minecraft is what popula- popularized them, you have not been paying attention to Whooper Wednesday. Every Whooper Wednesday, when- we happy celebrate Happy Whooper Whoopers. Wednesday. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, Whooper is not specifically an axolotl. A, a lot of salamanders go through um, a metamorphic state where larvae do have external meals that they lose when they mature. 
uh, into, you know, giant salamanders like Quagsire or Clodsire. Uh, so it's not specifically an axolotl, um, although uh, that is obviously the image that is invoked, mostly by Wooper, because of the dumb, goofy face. Uh, there were two more cards we didn't list because we didn't have time before we started. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, Watley finally does get the Bard subtype uh, and does transform into a Saga, uh, Roar of the Fifth People. That's great. It's so good, um, the flavor of that. Amazing. I think that rules. Like, when we talk about uh, uh, cards whose mechanics really invoke the flavor of what they are, uh, the poet becoming a story and telling story magic that is really powerful and cool um, about her, uh, you know, it, it involves dinosaurs. So this is about the history of the Sun Empire uh, and their culture. And I think that rules. This card design is so sweet. Um, and I love that. Um, so we haven't actually had, you know, the original Wadley card was red, white, and then she had a couple of green, white cards. Uh, and this is a monogreen card with a red-white activated ability. Uh, so we finally have, like, the Naya Watley that can, like, do all the Watley things and play all the dinosaur cards from Ixalan. And uh, I think that rules. Um, we also, in the special guests, because I have to bring this up as uh, the card that confuses me is uh, the special guest has a borderless reprint of Lord of Atlantis, uh, depicting... <laughs> And Ixalan Merfolk on it. I don't under... So Atlantis has a weird history in magic lore. It is the um, land lover word for the current uh, Vidalian Merfolk capital city of Etlanchis. Um, which gets corrupted to Atlantis uh, when you are a sailor and only ever hear stories and rumors about things. Um, so, like, yes, Omen Paths exist, but shouldn't this be a Vidalian on Ixalan? Why do we have an Ixalan Merfolk as on a card called Lord of Atlantis? That would never happen. Because, because the MC, because of the MCU and Namor. No, what happened was a <laughs> Vodalian Merfolk went through an omen path to Ixalan. Wait, no, reverse that. An Ixalan Merfolk went to an omen path to <laughs> uh, Vodalia and, and to Dominaria, learned about Atlantis, and then came back and was like, yeah, I'm the Lord. You know, I'm the Lord of so, so this is just a con artist. <laughs> yes, this is just. I mean, would you believe a merfolk lying and being mischievous? That never happens in magic story. <laughs> That's true. You know, I, thank you for solving this uh, for me, Chris. This is literally uh, someone who who omen path over to Dominaria uh, came back and said, "Oh yeah, I've got a, I've got a, my relatives a, a merfolk emperor actually." <laughs> I'm like only a couple <laughs> cousins removed from uh, Emperor Mihail II, you know, uh, that's that's good. That's funny. All right. All right. Let's move on to final thoughts. My final thought is go see Godzilla minus one. It is fucking incredible. It is the it is so intense. Like usually Godzilla movies are fun and exciting, but even like the the legendary ones never reach this level of in pure intense, like individual, like I felt like I was in danger at certain points in this film. Like it was, it is, it is dark, but with an undercurrent of hope. Uh, it is a hundred percent Godzilla saying something again. 
But I I, yeah, I, I, do, I wouldn't say the film is dark. I think the film deals with dark subjects, like really. That's good fair. Dark that ones fair, yeah. on on both like individual levels and societal levels. Um, I think it does a really good job navigating uh the story of an individual person and the people in his periphery, as well as social issues. Um, both in the diegetic time period because the movie is set in uh the mid to late 40s after world war ii um as well as stuff about the contemporary world um and i really appreciate uh, a big swing that says uh fuck the government the only way to solve really solve your problems uh is collectivism uh and with uh, the people around you and your community and uh i appreciate that uh, it's a good film. It's a really good film. I d- go see Godzilla minus. I'm not even gonna add my own final thought. The movie's incredible. It's one Rima, of the best Godzilla films they've made. My wife usually just tolerates Godzilla for my sake. Like she enjoys the films and stuff, but she's not like into Godzilla. And this one, we were like, there were moments we were weeping together. Like it was, it was like it was an incredible movie. If you remove the Godzilla from it, right? Like it's. It was good. It's just good stuff, folks. Go see it. Well, my my final thought, I haven't seen Godzilla Minus One. You know, I haven't seen it yet. Then you I'm, should. I'm go, I might go see it this weekend. We'll see if I have I have a chance. Um, totally unrelated, not at all related to Godzilla Minus One. I did watch a movie last night for the first time, uh, Oppenheimer. Um, completely <laughs> unrelated to that, I'm sure. Uh, but who watched that movie and thought it wasn't a condemnation of the United States building the first atomic bomb? Like, I I walked out of that thinking I wanted to dig up Oppenheimer and kill him. Like, I'm sorry. Well, very difficult. He is digging him up doesn't change the fact that he's already dead, Chris. I know, but I want to kill him again. I want to learn necromancy to raise him from the dead uh, and just look him in the eyes and shake him a bunch and say, you could have stopped this. And God, what a what a good movie. But it left me existentially dread, just full of existential dread. It was, well, I, yeah. I, I, have, I have a question about it that I want to How did you feel about the sex scenes? Uh, I actually thought they were pretty well done uh, in oh, terms okay. of a movie. Yeah, I, I was I thought they were interesting. I thought the way they were presented was really good. Um, it's a good movie, but uh, it I sure is. It I, sure I, I, is I saying something either. and it's it's good. It's a real good movie. Um, yeah. As a side note, uh, Lorelai and I were both at PAX Unplugged this weekend because we sure both were with an uh, and I brought Arjun and uh, we had a great time. And I just wanted to mention, I picked up two new games, uh, Robot Quest Arena, which is a fun, cute battle bots deck building game where you move your adorable robot miniatures uh, that aren't so miniature around the board and use your deck to beat up on each other. Uh, and Thunder Road Vendetta, which is like a great destruction derby, Mad Max, death race uh, inspired uh board game that's a lot of fun and i haven't made it past the second the second board of three boards in the race uh apparently the race can keep going but <laughs> we are just are so out for blood that uh we, we keep it's appropriate for the, the setting cars yeah exactly yeah so no one has won a race by finishing the race yet they have only won races by finishing each other uh and with that do you want to do a patreon spiel you know where else you can go to to race people for to blood death. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry i'm really mature <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we talked about it earlier. Uh, we have a Discord server for our podcast uh, and our wonderful fans. And uh, if you head over to patreon.com slash cast, you automatically get access there. It's a bunch of fun. Um, we have a lot of people speculating about who's going to get murdered in Murders at Karloff Manor. Uh, we won't know for a little bit because the uh, story doesn't pick up for another month. But uh, like I said, we had the uh, first story drop, and uh, it's a bunch of fun. We're, uh, we're I'm, I'm really excited for the, for this set story. It's really good. Uh, anyway, uh, that's I think gonna gonna be it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.